Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. It's going to be a wonderful hour with Dr. Bob Moeller. We're going to talk about 1 Peter 1.22, the whole hour. It's going to be wonderful. That verse says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. And maybe as a child, you, you grew up and you didn't receive things like acceptance or affection or you weren't appreciated or... You weren't understood or people didn't care for you or you didn't feel cherished. These are things that could last and you will long for them your whole life. So we're going to spend the whole hour talking to uh, Bob about that very topic. He is um, uh, does incredible work with reconciling relationships and helping people. He's written a book called Six Hearts of Intimacy, Enjoy Deeper Love and Passion in Marriage. He wrote that with his wife, Cheryl. He's with me today. Bob, welcome back. Bill. It's always fun to talk with you. Thank right. you for having me. Likewise. So this verse is powerful, and I know we're going to talk about it the whole hour. So let's let's dive in. I mean, you say one of the greatest gifts you can give another person is the love they never received growing up. Yes, I do. And you know the verse we're going to talk about. Notice it says, love one another deeply. Yes. And I think it's possible to love each other, but maybe... Not always deeply, maybe with some shallowness or sometimes without an understanding of how the person needs to be loved. And this really calls us to not just love people, but to deeply love them, uh, and particularly our spouse. And then it also says from the heart. I think it's possible that sometimes we love people with our heads, you know, sort of a cognitive level. Yes, I love you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. But this is saying, no, this is a lot deeper. This says the heart, the very place where God created us to give and receive love, that's where I want to love you. I want to love you from my heart to your heart. I want you to sense in your heart that I love you deeply. So what I want to talk about today is a few ways that we can actually do that that uh, everything, uh, all theology at the end of the day is practical, if it's true. You know, all theology can be put into life. Mm -hmm. You can can actually make it tangible. You know, it it can be put on the the supper table, so to speak, uh, for us to enjoy. So in this case, what does it mean to love each other? And the first thing I'm suggesting is to find out what, where people didn't receive love. Um, all of us grow up in an imperfect fallen world in often imperfect families. Uh, sometimes our parents did not receive much themselves in the way of love. Uh, Cheryl and I are working on a book right now that will be published. She's helping someone tell her life story. And the story is growing up in an alcoholic home in the 1930s, um, this woman's still alive. She's telling her memoirs now. 
But one night in a drunken fit of something, her father grabbed her and her brother and went out in the street and said, kids for sale, kids for sale. Um, They're hard workers. And he was trying to sell his kids to get money for alcohol. And that was just the beginning of her sorrows. Hmm. Now, today, she's a marvelous, she ended up being a pastor's wife and I just spoke with her today, even what a marvelous woman. She's in her 90s. But my point is, it doesn't have to be that bad. Sometimes growing up, though, there's there's holes in the quilt or there's there's missing there's skips in the hard drive when it comes to being loved. So one of the greatest gifts we can give another person is to give them the love that they never received growing up. Why? Because that's the love they will long for their entire life. It's what you didn't get that will probably be what you long for. So uh, they, what we need to do is love our spouse, love our parents, love you know people important to us in the areas where their heart was wounded by this lack of love. And we put together a, uh, what we did, someone else did this in our, in related to our ministry, but what they did was they talked to kids who grew up in a home where they were loved and got the things they needed to turn out well. And by the way, Bill, that is so important on so many levels that a child feel loved by both parents. One man was relating how he was exposed to pornography at age 14 by some other junior high boys. They went on to become addicted to it. He never did. And when he was asked, why, why didn't you get addicted to it like your friends? He goes, because my parents loved me. Wow. It didn't have any appeal to me because I knew I was loved. So, you know, this has very, again, practical implications. But what we did is ask people, what what did your parents do to make you feel loved? Well, we came up with a list of 24 things that parents do that make kids feel loved. And you don't have to have a dysfunctional family today, if you're listening, to benefit from this, I trust, because this list is for you. If you're doing it, keep doing it. If there are things that are missing, start intentionally replacing them. But let me read some of them to you. Uh, Accepted. Every child needs to believe they are accepted by their parents. Um, You and I both know people that feel like, well, my parents... I was a disappointment, but they really loved my sister or my brother was the star or something like that. And they struggle with acceptance. Every child needs to know just who they are, the way they are, are accepted. Number two, acknowledged. You, you, you need to pay attention to our kids, to your kids. You need to acknowledge them. You need to uh, learn who they are. And each one is different. We have six kids and each one was very different from the other but they each need to feel acknowledged like they exist. You see them. You, you, you know, the old saying, children should be seen and not heard. Who came up with that? We all need to be heard. And, and acknowledged. About three, affection. <laughs> we can't survive without being affection. You, you deprive a child of affection, and they're going to grow up to be a detached individual. Or as one woman said to me, I, I grew up to be an ice queen. <laughs> that, that was an incredible term, ice queen. <laughs> well, she had never received any affection. Appreciated. No matter what 
age children are, they need to be appreciated. And if they never were appreciated, couldn't do anything right, always did something wrong. <clears throat> and and now as adults, they're so sensitive to to being judged or or to failing in some kind of performance that's expected. You need to let them know they're appreciated and with the next one, approved of. Um, every child needs approval. Doesn't mean we approve of their behavior all the time. Um, one of my boys in his junior high years was with friends in a car and uh, maybe early high school, and he threw his cup of Burger King Coke out the window, hit the windshield behind him, and uh, it would have to be a Mercedes-Benz, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> he ended up at the police station. <laughs> he had to go down and get him. Um, by the way, he's he's in the ministry now. But anyway, <laughs> he had to go to the police station. Well, I didn't approve of that, and he knew that, but I approved of him because I know who he is in his heart. Attention. Every kid needs attention. Um, you can't you can't survive without it. And if you don't get attention from your mom or dad, you're going to long for that your whole life. I know one woman who grew up in a pastor's home where her dad gave the parishioners a whole lot of attention, but not so much as kids at home. And once he agreed to take them to a major league baseball game and she and her sister were thrilled. I, I get an afternoon with dad. She didn't care about baseball, but she sure loved the idea that dad's spending the day. And just before they went to the game, he called up a board member and took him with it. And they talked church politics the whole day and ignored the two girls. Wow. And as an adult, she can still cry about that. Mm. I mean, she's forgiven him, but you, you don't give kids attention. Um, being understood. We all need to be understood. I'll pick up the pace of this. Believed in. Man, the, the, the boys particularly need to be believed in. They so need to hear their father particularly say, son, I believe in you. You have what it takes. You're going to succeed. Go ahead and try this. Even if, even if you fail, you'll get up. You're not a failure. You're just learning how to do it right. Cause I, believe in you you know how many adult men would would give their whole year's salary to hear their dad say i believe in you mm -hmm. even as an adult um cared for we all have to be cared for to feel loved cherished this is so important to girls particularly important that girls feel cherished by their their family, their mother, of course, but, and again, by their dad. You know, if a girl feels cherished by her father, when she hits junior high or high school, she's not going to be out looking for male love. Um, you know, sooner or later, she'll find somebody she falls in love with. That's great. and Gets married to, but she will not be desperate to always have a boyfriend. She will not be tempted to give more of herself away too soon if she knows that she is cherished. And I guess today, you know, if we could poll your listeners, Bill, among wives and say, how many of you would love to feel more cherished by your husband? I wonder what that percentage would be. Well, we can ask. I think it's also a good time to take a break, Bob, so we can ask. How many? Oh. Ask the question again, Bob. 
<laughs> How many of you wives would love to hear from your husband more often, I cherish you, or better yet, to actually feel it, that you feel and know he cherishes you? Just interested. Yeah. You can send your answer to 877-933-2484. That's the text line. Of course, your answer will remain anonymous. We're not going to use any names, but you can just say, yes, I would like that. I'd like to hear from you. 877-933-2484. Dr. Bob Moeller is my guest. We're talking about 1 Peter 1.22. Love one another deeply from the heart. We'll be right back. Dr. Bob Moeller, we're talking about caring love in marriage and loving one another deeply from the heart. Bob, you're lighting up the text line here. Here's some here's some responses from listeners. Uh, yes, I would like that. Yes, yes, I would love to feel cherished from my husband. I don't feel I, I am cherished from him. Uh, there's one thing I've noticed f- fading the longer that we've been married, the feelings of being cherished. It is so important. I would love to feel more cherished, to hear the words and experience the emotion. The emotion. Here's a good one. No, my husband tells me daily how much he cherishes me. I am blessed. I want to be cherished. Pick me. Cherished by my husband? That's what I told him I needed a year before our marriage ended. He said, I don't know what that means. And they just keep coming one after another. Wow. Hey, how how about if we add another one to this? How many men out there would love to hear their dad say, I believe in you? How many men want their, well, okay, that might be tricky if the dads are still around or not. Or how many of you wished you had? Or uh, wished you heard? You yeah. It's uh, either you, you heard it and you, it was great, it was a blessing, or you wished you would have heard it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, if you wished you would have heard it from your dad. So that's to you men out there. Um, so another one, my husband is pretty good at letting me know he cherishes me. He sent this today. Thank you, honey, for all you do for me and for our business. You are much appreciated and loved. Very sweet. Very sweet. Very sweet. Okay, let's go back to our list because this is fascinating. Okay, well, Cherish, let's go to the next one, Chosen. Um, We all need to feel chosen. You know, one of the things that brings tears to the eyes of men in my office, when you know, their wives are in and we're talking about their life story, how many of them say, you know, when I was a kid, I was always the last kid picked for the athletic teams on the playground or something. I was always the last one standing. Nobody wanted me on their team. And it's an, they, they were never chosen, you know, by their, by their peers. But sometimes we never feel chosen by our parents. And my kids, I, you know, we have six adult kids now, but they used to ask me, who's your favorite? <laughs> okay. They, yeah, and they go, well, we know, but we'll see if you'll admit it or tell right. it. I go, okay, kids, tonight, this is a, a chosen reveal party. Right. <laughs> <laughs> gender reveal, this is going to be a chosen reveal. Mm-hmm. And I'm the rose ceremony. Who, yeah, I'm going to tell you who's my favorite, so... We're all sitting there, and I'd look at Rob, who was my oldest, and I said, Rob, 
I want you to know you're my favorite oldest son. Then I look to Melissa. Hmm. Melissa, you're my favorite oldest daughter. Uh, Brent, you're my favorite middle son. And Andrew, you're my favorite youngest son. Oh, Dad. Yep, that's what I heard. Yeah. And I go, no, that's the absolute truth. Every one of you is my favorite. Mm -hmm. Every one of you is different. Every one of you has a different position in the family. Oldest, middle, younger. I mean, I was a middle kid, but I don't have any pictures to prove it. Okay. (laughs) Um, You know, I was, I was, Cheryl and I are both kind of middle kids and, you know, that comes with its own stuff, but chosen, comforted. Growing up, if we were never comforted, that's going to be very hard for us to do in marriage. And comfort, can I call that also sympathy? Mm -hmm. Which is, empathy is just understanding how someone feels. Sympathy is sharing in that feeling. And, And that's a critical difference. I can empathize with my spouse. I know how she's feeling over this. But that may not help her just because I understand her feelings. But when I enter into her feelings and share them with her, she feels love. She feels comforted. And now you might say, well, that's, that's really a female thing. That's a mother's job. Well, actually, no. Um, according to uh, 1 Thessalonians, where Paul was talking about his ministry among the Thessalonians, um, you know, he says, First um, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Well, that got my attention when I read that. How, how Biblically, what does it mean for a father to, to care for his, deal with his children? Here it is, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. The role of a father is not to be a sawed-off Caesar in the home, you know, that my my word, my rule, you know, my way, whatever. Leadership, yes. Dictatorship, no. Um, You're to to comfort your children. And you go, well, well, that's that's feminine, isn't it? I think it isn't the mother that kisses straight (laughs) knees. Yeah, kiss the owie. Yeah, yes. But I'll tell you what. The greatest comfort I ever received in my life came from my father, not my mother. How's that? Uh, Well, let me give you one example or two. When my mother died uh, 20 years ago last month, actually, um, I was devastated. I was there when she, God took her, when the angels came for her. I was there with my father. She was a believer, but she'd been in a coma for seven days because of a stroke. And when she was near death, I was devastated, and my dad took me aside. And he said, son, love is knowing when to hang on and when to let go. And he said, it's time for us to let go. Mm. Um, it was, I don't think anyone else could have helped me as much as he did. Mm-hmm. Another time, I lost a scholarship. I went to school in Minnesota, um, and I was a senior, and I was going on to seminary, but I didn't have money for seminary, so I applied for a scholarship to a rather liberal uh, foundation, 
that supported theological students. I actually made it through the vetting process to the finalist. I went to Bloomington one day for the, to a hotel there for the final interview. And I ended up sitting in front of three very <laughs> cynical religion professors whose schools shall remain anonymous. Um, but they didn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. They didn't believe the Bible was the word of God. They didn't believe miracles happened. I did. And so for 45 minutes, they played with me the way a cat plays with a dead <laughs> bird in the backyard. <laughs> they were so much smarter, so much more well-read than I was. I was 22. Mm-hmm. They had, well, obviously, I didn't get the scholarship. Instead, I got humiliated for 45 minutes, literally laughed at at times. And I came home, and I am not one to do this, but when I got to the living room and saw my money for seminary go away, I I kind of turned my face away, and I cried. And that wasn't me. I'm not a crier as such, but Dad saw it. He came over and asked what happened. I told him. He put his hand on my shoulder and said, Son, never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He said, no, no matter what it costs you, um, never deny him. He said, God's going to provide a way for you to go to school. And he said, I'm, I'm proud of what you did today. I'm proud that you got laughed at. Well, nobody could have comforted me like he did. Mm-hmm. And two months later, I was standing in line at a convention in, uh, again, Bloomington, ironically enough. I was a student body officer, and I was at the convention, and I turn around, and behind me is the president of a seminary that I was thinking of going to or applying to. And I just, I thought, wow, this is interesting, and I introduced myself, and I said, I had thought of applying to your school and whatever. He goes, really? Well, he said, would you like to have coffee? I said, sure. So we got out of line. We talked for, he was a very approachable kind of guy. Uh, We talked for 25 minutes. At the end of it, he goes, Bob, one of the advantages of being the president of the seminary is the board gives me 10 scholarships that I can give away, and I don't even have to tell them why. Wow. But I don't have to answer for it. I don't have to justify it. He said, would you like one of those? Yes, please. I was I was flabbergasted. <laughs> and I said, no, I don't think so. No, right. I think I am He said, here's my secretary, call her. Wow. My, I did. He gave me the scholarship. I went to the school. I met my wife there. Oh, what a fantastic story. Okay, Bob, we're going to take a little break. Dr. Bob Muller is right. my guest. Pardon? That's comfort. <laughs> that is comfort indeed. We'll, uh, we'll come back in just a couple of minutes if you... Uh, want to let us know that your dad didn't quite give you that love and acceptance, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, I've got a couple of listeners that chimed in. I'll let you know what they said after the break. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Hey. It's 
Bob, I had some very interesting comments come in from some uh, male listeners regarding their dad. And one uh, man said, I wished I would have heard that from my dad. There's deep sorrow for me there. Another listener said, it would have made the world to me to have heard that from my dad, that, you know, they believe in me. On the plus side, God has used that emptiness to draw me to experience the love of God. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So during the break, Bob, we we're trying to figure out what we call these twenty-four things. What do we call? What do we call these things? Qualities what I or, uh, or twenty-four ways to deeply love. Deeply love. Okay. Yeah. Twenty-four ways to deeply love your spouse or your children. Okay, I like that. Or something else. Well, uh, we'll, we'll move on. Um, comforted, encouraged. We all need encouragement, and that's just what these guys were saying in their email. Right now, or they're texting. Mm-hmm. Honored, honored. We need to honor our children. Now, yeah, we know the Ten Commandments say honor your parents, that it might go well with you. But have we ever thought about the fact we need to honor our children? In other words, how how do they learn honor? We have to teach it to them by how we treat them. Some, you know, they say be good to your kids. They choose your nursing home. Um, that's true. Uh, but to honor our kids. Uh, let me give you an example. Someone gave me this wisdom when I was raising my kids, and you can disagree with it if you wish, but to me, it's, it, it seemed wise and we practiced it. When we went out to eat as a family, when we were on the road or we went out to eat, and we had a big family. There was six kids, and that's eight kids at a table. Um, you know, we, when we would leave a table and leave a restaurant, I mean, it would look like uh, <laughs> one of those buildings that gets demolished in slow mm-hmm. motion. Anyway, we, we made a—I I was given this advice. Don't eat better than your kids. Um, in other words, don't say, well, I get the steak, you kids get the, you know, whatever. Um, in other words, uh, you, you, you don't get a special category of that. Let them— let them eat well, too, if you're going to eat well. If you're going to eat simply, they can eat simply, of course. But, but communicate to them. Now, obviously, they don't have the same status you do in terms of leadership and whatever, but they have the same value. All of us have the same value in the eyes of God. Our, our children are as valuable to God as we are. And I wanted to honor my children. And I honored them, I tried, by going to their games, by showing up at school, you know, for their programs, for, you know, whatever I could do to say, what you're doing is important, and I, and I honor you. Um, to dishonor a child, well, you can imagine where that leads. Hugs, kids do need to be hugged. Um, precious. Kids need to know that indeed they are precious to you and that um, there's nothing on earth that could make you love them less. Can they break your heart? Yeah. But are you going to love them less because they do? I don't think God treats us that way. And, And our kids need to know they're precious. Recognize. We need to, you know, give them recognition. 
um, respect. You know, that's so important that we respect each other in our home, in how we talk to each other. I mean, one man told me that he and his brother wondered which profanity word was actually their name because that's all they were ever called by their dad. That's how he prefaced everything. So they were wondering which was which. Well, one of them went on to become a, an alcoholic until he, he, he found Christ, but that lack of respect. Uh, security, children definitely need. So can, can I just camp out on this one for a minute? Sure. Security is knowing that my parents love each other. And want to stay with each other. And um, it's for good. Uh, When people ask Cheryl and I, why are you in marriage ministry? Why have you been doing this for so many years? Is it because you want to see couples fulfilled? Is it because you want to see them connected? And, you know, all that. Of course. But I'll say that's not the real reason. They'll go, well, why are you? And I'll say it's for the children. I want children to grow up in an intact two-parent home where the two parents actually truly love each other from the heart because I think they deserve that. I think they deserve that home. Every child needs it so desperately. Mm -hmm. So truth be told, we do what we do primarily for the kids. And if the parents are happy, I'm very happy. And if they get connected and fall deeply in love again, then I'm real thrilled But you know what? I know that if you heal two hearts, you restore a marriage. And if you restore a marriage, you save a family. And if you save a family, you strengthen a church. And if you strengthen a church, you impact a community. If you impact a community, you transform a culture sooner or later. So it all goes back, you know, do we really want to restore marriages so we can save families? All right. Significant, each child needs to feel they are significant, that they are supported, and that uh, they receive physical affection in an appropriate way, and that they are valued. Mm -hmm. Now, today, there are listening, if I were to ask our listeners again, how many of you feel valued by your spouse? It'd be interesting to see the response we'd get to that. But today, what I want to stress to everybody is, if your spouse didn't receive some of these things, three, four, five of them. I had one woman the other day tell me she didn't get any of these at home. And I had to ask her again. She said, no, none of the 24. Wow. That's um, very sad. If you didn't get three or four of those, guess what? That is your job description going forward. <laughs> if you want to know what it means, husband loves your wives, find out what your wife didn't receive. Write those four or five words down, three or four and then ask the Holy Spirit every day to remind you of that and show you practical ways you can do that. How can I make my wife, give, how can I give my husband uh, acknowledgement? How can I give my wife attention? How can I tell her she's cherished? How can I give him respect? God will help you with that. But if you each will give each other what the other didn't receive, it's going to cause your marriage to go into overdrive. Uh, Your love for each other, your fulfillment is going to reach a 
a new Dow Jones record. Mm. Uh, if you do not see what they do did not get, and you step on that, you know, they didn't get acceptance, and you're critical of them, which makes them feel rejected or non-accepted, it's going to really hurt them. And you can take any one of those, what the opposite is, and if you do that in your marriage, it's going to create real problems. But if you give them what they need, it's going to be transformational, what they didn't receive, and they give you. Because um, that's what you both really long for. And if you think about why you fight and get underneath the issue that's the presenting issue, and you get underneath that, it's probably because they're feeling all over again they're not getting this from you, or worse yet, the opposite of it. Um, it's just a simple tool to help your spouse feel loved. Um, do we have time for me to give you one more idea? Uh, I would love that, Bob. Let me throw in a... Oh. Let me throw in one comment a listener made. My father my father once told me that when a wife says to her husband, I believe in you, I am proud of you, I am for you, those words will fuel him and cause his cup to overflow. I try to remember this and tell my husband often. Wow. Wow. What wonderful advice. Yeah, that's... Awesome. All right. Now, what's your uh, what's your next idea? I like this. Well, and by the way, to make this practical, um, maybe you two sit down sometime and just say, you know, what are three or four things you wish you had gotten at home and you didn't? And each of you share with the other person. It, it might only take you. Well, I think it would lead to a longer discussion, frankly, but you could do it in 10 minutes. And that's a starting point for offering this to each other. Okay, let's go on to another idea. Um, another idea is ask them to write down for you the three most painful things that happened to them before age 18 or by age 18. What were the three most painful things that happened to you by the time you became an adult? Now, as a bonus question, you can ask, what were the three most painful things that happened to you after age 18? Mm. And, and those are, you know, those are important too. But here's the thing. If when they tell you what it was, the three most painful things that happened to them by age 18, I want you to look at them and say, I wish I had been there to stop that. I wish I could have been there in some way to have prevented that. Or I wish I had been there to comfort you when it did happen. I wish I had been there to hold you or hug you or tell you how much sorrow I, I share with you. I wish I had just been there to share your pain or your sorrow. I, if I had been there, I would have stopped it. If if I couldn't have stopped it, I would have been there to share in your sorrow. And what if every day I try and do the opposite of what was done to you? If you were abused, what if every day I protected you and valued you? What if every day I made you feel secure? If you were 
criticized, judged, rejected, put down, whatever. What if every day I built you up? What if every day I told you just how much I admire you or respect you or how precious you are, whatever? It's not hard to do, Bill. If you, if you see the three most painful things, think of what the opposite of each of those would be. If you were abandoned by your mother or father, if your parents divorced, if one was an alcoholic, if, you know, whatever, if there was constant fighting in the house, whatever you, that was so painful to you. What if you said to your spouse for each one, after you said, I wish I had been there to stop it, I would have, or I would have, would have held you or, 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 or shared your sorrow. What if every day I did just the very opposite? Would that be okay with you? Now, just ask them that question mm-hmm. and see what they say. You've got to look at them in the eye. I recommend holding their hand, looking them in the eye, and saying, I wish I had been there. I'm so sorry that happened. I wish I had been there to, to comfort your broken heart. I wish, what if every day I instead, you know, did this or did that for you, cared for you in this way? Would that be okay with you? Just look at, just watch what will happen in their eyes. Just watch what will happen in their face when you ask if you could do that. Do you need to show up and to this conversation with a box of Kleenex? Exactly. I go through quite a bit. Okay. <laughs> um, and my goal isn't to get people to cry. They just do. <laughs> I would imagine so. You're, you're reaching down to a pretty deep place of hurt. You're, you're loving each other deeply. Yeah. From, is what's going on. That's beautiful. And it's just a simple thing anybody can do. Three most painful things before or after. And you say you, you, you want to offer, you know, just the opposite, you know, in that, in that situation mm-hmm. uh, on a daily basis. And they're going to begin to feel very loved by you. Oh. All right, Bob, let me take our last break. Dr. Bob Moeller is my guest. We're talking about this beautiful passage from 1 Peter one twenty two. Love one another deeply from the heart. We'll be back in just a minute. back with Dr. Bob Moeller. And Bob, I got questions for you. Can I ask a few questions? Yeah, let's, let's use this segment to do that. All right. Yeah. So one question is, you sit down with your beloved and this, maybe let's just say this woman, this wife says to her husband, when I was 10 years old, my dad said I would never amount to anything. And that's one of the deep hurts. And you're married to this woman, and the dad's still alive. Now, all of a sudden, I got all this angst towards the dad. Then what? Oh, you mean because she, uh, because he did that? Yeah. You know, yeah. as a spot. Right. Sure. Well, one of the things, you know, of course, it's a cliche almost, but hurting people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And um, I encourage people, I, when, when, when we get to that point where a father or mother has hurt our spouse, their father or mother, and we're tempted to be angry or whatever, I will say, tell me about your parents' background. What happened to them? 
did their heart get broken? And, you know, almost without exception, Bill, the stories of the parents are even worse what the parents grew up with than what happened with the kids. Not always, but I can't tell you how many times. The, the, what they describe is, is unbelievable, almost unimaginable in some cases what their parents. And I'm not excusing, I'm only explaining. Mm-hmm. In our ministry, we say there isn't excuses for sin, but there are explanations for it. And I try, and, and we often lead them in prayer. Lord, was my father's heart wounded by something? Was my mother's heart wounded? What happened to them? And often, people know enough of the story that they see, oh, yeah. Yeah, they had their heart wounded. They, they had their heart destroyed by the time they were five. And, you know, when they got married, they didn't have much to give because they had never. And again, we're not excusing, but it does create often a um, sorrow, a godly sorrow for the parent. So as opposed to just being angry over their behavior, we, we also need to understand that in many, many cases, what happened to them was, was, was simply horrible as well. And um, I've had many people, maybe not that day, but come back to me and say, you know, Given what happened to my parents, I'm surprised they did as well as they did. I mean, yeah, they failed me, they hurt me, but in many cases, when I really know their story, I I understand part of it, at, at least, why they weren't able to give me love. And so I try and encourage people to not just go to the angry place, but go to the place of of um, compassion or empathy for what happened to the, to that person. Mm-hmm. So, and then of course go you've got to go for forgiveness. <laughs> we got to release people. Yeah. So Bob, when you look at this list of 24 and let's say a person was not appreciated or wasn't approved of, or wasn't cherished, chances are good then that that person will have trouble approving of someone else or giving attention to someone else or cherishing someone else. Is that fair? Very true. Very true. It's hard to give what you have not received. Um, That can be a real challenge for any of us. How do we break through that? Well, your spouse can be, if they received what you didn't, they can share that with you. They can give you the gift of that. And it's also important, that's what the body of Christ exists for, Bill, is that if your biological family of origin failed you, it is not your last chance. You didn't miss the train. And now, too bad, you don't get a family. I think God wants his church to be family to one another, not just co-worshippers. But through the years, I have benefited by having spiritual fathers and mothers. Mm-hmm. The other day, a woman in her 50s uh, that Cheryl and I have known for 10 years, and we sort of mentored her, and then she's happily married now, but she didn't marry until much later in life. She called my wife and said, will you be my mother? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's so sweet. Cheryl and I are mid-60s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And this woman is 50, mm-hmm. and she said, will you be my mother? She, she never really had a mother. 
But you know what? Cheryl said, yes, I, I will be. She we had was, another couple yeah. come to us who was having children. Neither of them had intact families. Both of them missed fathers. They're trying to start a new cycle, a new pattern. And, and, and they said, could you be grandparents to our kids? And, and could you, you know, whatever. You know, we're, we're not always, <laughs> I, we don't always do such a great job at that. But do you see my point? Mm-hmm. In the body of Christ, we can find spiritual mothers, spiritual daughters, spiritual sons, brothers, sisters. And um, but God sets the lonely in families. That's what Psalm says. And so I think that is a missed opportunity, particularly among adults our age. You know, I turned 66 last month, and I said, honey, do I look 66? And Cheryl said, no, but you used to. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know what? As we reach this stage of life, we could think our job's done. Our kids are raised, you know, check that box, you know, move to Florida, eat yogurt, complain about the government. Right. You know, I mean, no. There's a lot still to be done. There are, there are people that need a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, whatever. So if you missed that, it doesn't mean you missed it once and for all. It's just God, through his grace, is going to have an opportunity to provide it some other way, first with your spouse, but maybe with others. Mm-hmm. Bob, talk about when the violation is uh, sexual violation um, at a young age. This is a, a listener has chimed in with this, and it's a painful question for sure. You know what? And it's probably a whole nother program sometime. Okay. We, we should address that because the last thing I want to do is is offer uh, something glib or, right. or too short. But I, I'll, I'll just say this. Um, that is an opportunity for a spouse to, to enter into your spouse's pain. And we call those we prayers. Uh, you may not have been abused, but your wife was or whatever. And she's carried that burden for all these years. That needs to be, she needs to have that burden lifted and that secret in, in the right setting. That secret needs to be told because her heart needs healing. But a, a, a husband can, can start out in such a simple way, putting his arm around his wife, because doesn't the Bible say God makes us one, that he's taken the two and made them one? Mm-hmm. That's Matthew 19. Uh, therefore, you're no longer two but one, Jesus said. Put your arm around your wife and say, Lord, when we were 12, we were violated by an uncle. Mm-hmm. When we were eight, our cousin did this to us and told, told us he'd kill us if we told anybody. Wow. Lord, what did that do to our heart? What, what did that do to us? And it may be so painful, your wife can't even pray about it mm-hmm. right now. And that's okay. It is. But you can, and you can pray a we prayer. Uh, corporate prayer is found all throughout Scripture. Daniel prayed we prayers. Um, the prophets prayed we prayers. You know, uh, that's, that's okay. We can so love someone that we identify with them as if it happened to us. Yeah, that's beautiful, Bob. That's really powerful. So we just have a minute left. I'm going to ask, how do we set the table to have one of these discussions? I mean, if you go home and say to your spouse, you know, let's talk about the the three things that caused you so much pain in in your uh, life up to age 18. 
You're asking me that now? <laughs> right. Uh, well, I don't know if it'd be presumptuous to say, you know, would it be okay if we listened to a portion of a program that was on Kate, uh, Faith Radio the other day? Now you're talking. Now you're uh, talking. All right. Yeah. And, and you didn't even pay me to say that. <laughs> but, um, uh, no, could we listen to a portion on that? Because that really impacted me. Mm-hmm. Not only did it impact me, I think it could help me love you. Cool. You know, that that maybe I never have before, and I'm interested in that, but would you listen to some of it with me or the whole thing? Yeah, that's a great, great piece of wisdom at the uh, end. We're out of time, Bob. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I always enjoy talking with yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, and Bob's website is forkeepsministries.com, forkeepsministries.com. And the book he wrote with his wife, Cheryl, is The Six Hearts of Intimacy, Enjoy Deeper Love and Passion in Marriage. Thanks to all my guests for today. I've enjoyed our time together, and I'm already looking forward to tomorrow. We're going to have a wonderful program with Dr. Jerry Root and then Dr. Marcus Bachman on the prayer series, part two. It's going to be a wonderful day. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks for supporting Faith Radio and listening to my show. I care about you. I love you, and I can't wait to be with you tomorrow. See you then. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.